Welcome, friends, to the Friends That Carry On podcast, where we dive deeper in our trips, unpack tips, and everything in between. The one who holds the torch key is your host. Get ready for your ears to go on a trip with your favorite group of friends. Well, good afternoon, friends, and welcome to Friends That Carry On. We are a group of friends who like to travel the world and uh, with each other and enjoy fun and exciting places. We can be reached at www.friendsacarryon.com and on the various social medias uh, at Friends of Carry On, meaning Instagram and Facebook. Today, we have two of our fellow friends calling in from around the country. We have Jim Reed from California. Howdy. And Terry Hall from Pennsylvania. Hey. And then here in West Virginia at the Friends of Carry On studios, we have Walt Palmer. Tony Price, Eric Fargo, Brian Romine, and I will be your moderator today, Jim Scott. Today, we are, well, before I get into what we're talking about today, Brian, do you want to tell us about our affiliate? Absolutely. Today, our uh, highlighted affiliate is Swiss International Airlines. Swiss International Airlines, it's the airline of Switzerland serving over 100 destinations in 44 countries worldwide from Zurich. Geneva and Lugano and carrying almost 18 million passengers a year with a fleet of over 90 aircraft. I have flown them once and I had a good experience. Same here. Me too. Good. There we go. All right. So we're endorsing our affiliates. All righty. Today we are going to travel 200 miles north of the Arctic Circle to Tromso, Norway. Burr. <laughs> Is it cold up there? It, a little bit at night and in the wintertime. And by the way, Eric did that without our sound effects machine. <laughs> I am a sound effects machine. We haven't integrated that into the studio. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, so why would we travel to, to uh, Tromso, Norway, which is above the Arctic Circle? A few years ago, it was my 50th birthday. And if you've listened to some of our podcasts, you know we take milestone birthdays and events seriously and try to travel around to whoever's milestone birthday it is their place of choice. And that year was mine. And I wanted to, one was go to Oktoberfest, which we've spoken of before, but also want to see the Northern Lights. And Terry, who's with us, had, uh, who does a lot of the research for us, and we got to thank you for that, had found uh, Tromso is one of the best places to see the Northern Lights. So then we had to figure out how do we get there? So in doing so, Terry was able to find a package of flights that went through Oslo, and then you catch a connector flight up to Tromso. Terry, how'd you go, go through that process? Uh, trial and error, Jim, uh, actually. But I have flown Norwegian Air before, so I knew they were a, a very good low-cost airline. And you know, Tromso, obviously, being in Norway, uh, that's when I first started. And so I found a, a very good package uh, leaving the States to Tromso, like you said, and from Tromso to Prague, where we uh, started the next part of our adventure. So that's how uh, it went, just trial and error, really, just plugging in dates, cities, until uh, we found something affordable. It definitely worked out great. I mean, I obviously, well, I shouldn't say obviously, but I'd never heard of Tromso before, so I didn't know where we were going. And- I knew it was above the Arctic Circle, and we were seeing northern lights, but I didn't know we were going to get up there and be a few Eskimos and a reindeer and, <laughs> and, and a hut, and, and hopefully saw the northern lights. But 
I can say I was honestly very pleasantly surprised. It was a beautiful city. Yeah, everything what, that you What need. time of year were you there? Yeah, in September. the end of September. So just a little bit further out in September than what we are right now. The weather is uh, spectacular. The weather is spectacular. I mean, it's chilly at night. Mm-hmm. But a sweater during the day. No more than a sweater and a couple layers at night, really. I mean, a jacket if you had to have one. But it was really amazingly nice, really. Well, and, and you know, was that typical of time of, it is for the typ- time of year there? It, it, it was typical for the time of year. They, okay. they do get, get a, a good bit of rain, uh, depending on the season. Off the uh, There's a lot of water up there. They up there, what we call here in the States as bays, they call fjords, F-J-O-R-D-S. Mm-hmm. And the ones there, they just look like big lakes were very deep water. So they had big cruise ships in there, in dock when we got there, which I certainly wasn't expecting, you know, <laughs> getting <laughs> off up there in, in the middle of Norway or up, up that far north. Even though we were there for the Northern Lights and we were in season for the Northern Lights, we were about 30 days short of when the season are that the big humpback whales come through. Uh, yeah. And I would have loved to have seen that. I mean, we, you see some of the flyers and brochures around, you know, the, the, the tourist places and, and talking about them and some of our guys talking about, I mean, you're right out there and they'd come right up beside you. And like I said, these are just like lakes you see around here. I mean, what, they're not really wide, like about the width of the Potomac or something. So, I mean, can you imagine being out there and, these huge whales coming up right beside you. So I can imagine that'd be a well, pretty spectacular very similar type of experience. Here in <laughs> Shenandoah. Yes. Almost exactly the same. <laughs> so anyhow, but uh, it was absolutely beautiful. And, and before we get into some of the details of our trip, I want to, to share a few fun facts about Toronto since we're sort of on that at this time. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, uh, it's 200 miles above the Arctic Circle. It is considered a major cultural hub uh, or the major city cultural hub above the, uh, the Arctic Circle. It's the third largest city north of the Arctic Circle. It, a couple other fun statistics, it has the most northern university, the most northern botanical gardens, the most northern, uh, there's several of these, planetarium. So uh, a few kind of cool things up there. And, and we got to see a lot of that stuff. We kind of split up, so we didn't all go to the same stuff. But I did go to the aquarium, which was, which was very nice, and, and the, the Polar Museum. So there's a lot of neat stuff, which we'll get into that here in a little bit. Hey, Jim. Uh, yes. The, and I did make the Botanical Garden and the university. So uh, between oh. us, we knocked out a few things. Oh, oh yeah. Gosh. No, absolutely. The uh, planetarium is right at the university, but they were closed uh, the day we, we went. So... Uh, yeah, a lot of northernmost things in Tromso. I was going to say, that's probably a short list. I'm guessing, considering where Tromso is, <laughs> they probably have a long list of we are the northernmost of. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, exactly. Did you guys fly directly to Tromso? Oslo and then up to Tromso. Okay, okay. okay. Mm-hmm. But they do have an airport there fully functioning. Mm-hmm. And I even think it's an international airport. And in going through their history a little bit, they really, they were founded by the, the Vikings, the Norse folk, and started selling there in the late 800s. So they've been there for a long time. And then they got the Christians and the churches came in around the 1200s. And then in the late 1700s, 1794, Tromsø was actually chartered as a town or as a city. And then it grew from there. Obviously, a lot of frontier expeditions, Arctic hunting, that type of stuff. Uh, but after World War II is when they, they had rapid expansion. They built the airport in the 1960s. 
the uh, and Terry went here. It is a beautiful, iconic place, but the Arctic Cathedral, which sits across the fjord from Tromso Island in the main part of Tromso, but it's a beautiful cathedral there. And Terry hiked, I believe Terry hiked over there, didn't you, Terry? Well, I, yes, I did too. I think. Oh, he did you? Did. Terry? Yes. Uh, it was only, uh, I'd say, 20, 25 minutes from the center of town. Uh, you cross the bay, uh, the fjord on the bridge, and uh, it's a short hike, but well worth it. Right. It, it's beautiful. It's mentioned in all the literature there. So it's definitely one of the, when you look up top 10 things to do, it's something that's always mentioned to go and, and see. And that was built in 1965. So a lot of expansion ha happened there. In fact, the university that Terry was mentioned with the Botanical Gardens wasn't found until 1972. So a lot of this modern stuff has happened in, in well, at least in our times. <laughs> so What's I know we're not quite as modern as we used to be. Yeah. <laughs> the population, the population Ooh, is 65,000. Okay. Wow. Tromso. Tromso. Mm -hmm. yep. And ironically, and especially for our Paris loving folks, which is most everybody here with us, in the 1800s, it was considered Paris of the North. <laughs> now, I know Paris of somewhere tends to get that title, t tends to get thrown around a little bit. We were talking about that with uh, last Bucharest week. last week in, or a couple weeks ago in Romania. And in looking up the source of it, they're not really sure where it came from, but they're just, what they've decided that where it came from was that the people of Tromso were a little more sophisticated than the, the folks a little further south than them. <laughs> I can figure. So, anyhow, it didn't carry past the 1800s, but in the 1800s, they were the Paris of the North. <laughs> and then the other thing that, that's pretty interesting, and I guess is not, um, if anybody thought about it, is, is common for, for any place that far north, is the midnight sun. So there, the midnight sun, which is it's daylight year, day round, or 24 hours, goes from mid-May to the end of July. And then even in, in the wintertime, sunset or sunrise, I should say, is like 4.45 in the morning, and sunset's like 10 or 11. So it's mostly day. Uh, day. About three months. Or right, later. for three months, yeah. And then it then gets dark for, it goes the opposite way. They pay for it later on, is what you're <laughs> right. saying. Yeah. Right, exactly. And then the other, other little fun fact there, uh, Europe's oldest cinema is there, built in 1950, uh, operating cinema. Okay built in 1915. So anyhow, so there's some fun facts there. So we get into to, to Tromso, we get off the airport, and we grab a cab. Does anybody want to describe the, the tunnel we went through? <laughs> well, the, uh, the tunnel is, the airport is on one side of the island. Tromso is located on an island, I guess you want to say. And the city itself is on the other side of the mountain. So basically, you have to drive a very long ways under this mountain complex to get to Tromso. And what, Jim, maybe 15-minute trip, 10-minute trip? It led at least that long, yeah. That wasn't the one that had the roundabout in the tunnel. Did yeah. It? Okay, yes. now I'm remembering. <laughs> a roundabout uh, in the tunnel. Okay, yeah. I thought so. <laughs> a roundabout, a stoplight, I think. Okay. Uh, there's a parking area for 200 cars. Right. Uh, all underneath the uh, the tunnel of mountain there. Was there a pub? <laughs> well, <laughs> should have been. <laughs> we'll have to go back. I and got work. an idea. <laughs> Two hundred parking spaces, <laughs> one pub. Yeah. I think we can make so, the numbers work. So it was, it was quite interesting. It's the first time, at least myself, and I think anybody with us, have been in a tunnel like that. We're used to 
just going from A to B and, and not having oncoming and incoming traffic from all different directions. That's what was kind of crazy. We're sitting there with the, the cab driver. And next thing you know, we got oncoming traffic and then we're out there coming up at a four way stop and the, the roundabout. And there was like four or five other directions it could have gone, gone from, from the roundabout. So it was, it was pretty wild. I was glad I wasn't driving. Yeah, no, absolutely. Sure everybody else was glad too. Yeah, right. <laughs> but then when, when it came out, you're right there in Tromso, which is pretty cool. And then we come to find out later, because obviously being above the Arctic, they have a lot of snow and ice in the wintertime, that a lot of the, it helps. And the reason they built this big underground roadway is it helps with uh, not having to remove snow. So mm. when you get to the tunnel, you're able to get to places a lot easier and they don't have the snow removal and all that. And that's why they also have the parking in there. So it saves from having to clean off cars or cars that are just totally, you know, under five feet of snow or whatever to get there. So it, there's some practical reasons as to why they did that. I remember it's almost as cool as driving into Pittsburgh. Almost. Almost. <laughs> Close second. I, I guess it, it depends what part of Pittsburgh you're going into. When Pittsburgh right. appears, it was kind of reminiscent of that. If you've ever driven into Pittsburgh and it just kind of appears once you come out into the light. It's kind of cool how it appears. It was the same type, same type of situation there. So is, it, is this running underwater as well, or is it is this just under the, the mountain? That I don't think it went underwater, Terry. Do you remember? I mean, the water's right there, and it, it, it bumped right up to it, but I don't know that we were actually underwater. No, Jim, it's just uh, under the mountain, but like you said, it did hug the coast once it got out of the tunnel there. Because Tromso, the, the, the main part of Tromso is an island. So the way you get to it is just either through the tunnels or from the bridges. There's a couple bridges that come into it. Okay. And Terry found us a, a nice hotel, I guess more or less downtown. I would consider that downtown when you mm -hmm. guys. Yes. Mm -hmm. Excellent location right there. Just Eric or, or Terry or both of you, what were your general impressions when you first got to Tromso? Well, mine was the the weather. Uh, I did not know what to expect, like uh, Jim mentioned earlier, sweater weather at night, very comfortable in the daytime, being north of the Arctic Circle like that. But that was all due to the Gulf Stream. And it's amazing that the Gulf Stream can hit, still have an effect like that so far north. So the weather really surprised me more than anything. Well, and it, for the distance it is up north, the Gulf Stream makes it so much or milder and I guess warmer. I mean, it still gets cold there, but Hudson Bay, which is a lot lower latitudinally, that's a word. It is now. <laughs> it is now. <laughs> but there's places that you would think of that, that would be warmer than that that are not. They're, they're a lot colder, and it's because of the jet stream's influence coming up through there. So it's, it's pretty interesting. Eric, how about you? The people were pretty awesome. They were nice. The, um, the beer was good. Mm -hmm. Remind me, guys, some of the names of the beers there uh, that we had. I can't remember the names of them, but they were good and cold. They, All they, local stuff? Uh, oh, yeah. mm, not a whole lot. Not a whole lot of local stuff. That, no. That's one of, the, uh, one of the things you're going to find. A little bit pricey, maybe. In yeah. Norway in general, and Tromso especially being as high up as it is, they have to import a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. And because of that, it, it, the, there is a higher cost. And it was a lot of, I mean, I don't know if there's any specialty beer. I'm sure there were. But there's a lot of American beers, Sam Adams, mm -hmm. that type of stuff. So you could get what you wanted, but it wasn't like if you went to Prague, you got you know, the, the special right. beers you liked or, or some of the other places. It's That's not its specialty. Yeah. So, and prices do run a little bit more up there. 
Terry, I've got a question for you. Yes, yeah. um, obviously, um, Tromso is a new place for you guys when you were going. How much time did you put into researching your trip there, would you say? Maybe a half a day. Okay. There you go. You know, so would that, Terry, would that include like a half a day's worth of figuring out your airfare, your land travel, your hotel, Airbnbs, the, who you were going to use for your trip to see the Northern Lights, all the other activities? Just about. You know, you start out with Google. And where's the best place to see the Northern Lights? And that's where we started from. And Tromso came up in almost every search as one of the best places to see the Northern Lights. And just from past experiences using Norwegian Air and you know Airbnbs, there's a lot of help out there on the Internet that can really make the search streamlined for you. Yeah, when you said Tromso, I'm like, Tromso? I've never never even heard of it, really. A lot of people have not heard of it. I'm like, oh, yeah, let's go there. I love a place I've never heard of. <laughs> hey, what, what sold me when Terry told, obviously, the Northern Lights was the main reason. But when he said it was 200 miles above the Arctic Circle, I'm like, well, we got to go. Oh, you got it. <laughs> <laughs> Is there any place that's 250 miles north? Yeah. <laughs> so, so what was the, the city like? You know, 65,000 people. What did the landscape or skyscape look like when you were coming into the city? Not really much of a skyscape. They didn't have too many skyscrapers like or things like that. It's all like two-story two, three-story. Very modern. Uh, modern. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They, they have a lot of wooden houses. Mm-hmm. That's one of the things they're known for. The date back to, uh, to 1789 is the oldest. But what's, I guess what makes that unique is in most of those areas above the Arctic, trees don't grow. But because of the Gulf Stream, they actually grow a lot. <laughs> trees up there so they're able to build wooden houses so um so anyhow so that was a big thing that they, that they promote they have a lot of wooden houses which around here anywhere else that doesn't seem like a big deal <laughs> were, were hey, they Jim? Yes. Into the city? Uh, in fact the uh, not the arctic cathedral but the cathedral in town uh, is the only wooden cathedral in norway huh. so it, it, was, it was pretty neat and then along that and this is what struck me as we, we went through the town. It was it was a very quiet town, but it was a neat little town, mm-hmm. but not you weren't not thinking city because of it. Because it's like it's all two, three story. A lot of it seemed sort of residential, but you had the, your a your nice shops little and, light buzz. You know, it was, I mean, yeah. it wasn't I mean, it was, heavy, uh, traffic sounding. Probably not- similar to Shepherdstown, a little bit bigger. It had an old feel, had a new feel, had a modern feel. But then it, it didn't take much to walk or go a few blocks, and one you could see the the bay or the fjords. Then you see a big cruise ship, which just stood out like a sore thumb. But then right above the fjord is a, a mountainside, and of course it was September, so it was just beautiful fall. Like all the the leaves were still on the trees, but they had turned that beautiful orange and yellow and reds, and it was just an incredible. And is that when you had the the glass of the of the water and the reflection of that, it was just absolutely so, stunning. So was this just by chance or luck that you hit at that time of year? Or did you plan to, did you, did you know about the foliage and, and say, let's go in okay. September? The, here's the luck. It's luck because we were trying to get Oktoberfest <laughs> and Oktoberfest is from the end of September to the first part of October. And this worked into that trip. So <laughs> it's total luck. Yeah, it's about October. But no, I mean, it was absolutely stunning. We've got some pictures and Joel will we'll put them up on the 
website now, Chotsky today, is a, a picture that was taken that I later did on a, a metal canvas, I guess. That's mm-hmm. not the way to say it. Metal and canvas the same way. But anyhow, it's just absolutely beautiful with the, the water and then, then the, uh, the foliage in the background. And the reflection. So, and, uh, reflection. So it was absolutely cool. incredible. Yeah, it was a nice place to walk around for sure, especially outdoors under good weather, because the scenery was really second to none. It was very beautiful, very scenic. So, so was this your view from where you stayed as well? Yes. Yeah, our uh, hotel. Yeah. I probably was in an eight-story hotel, maybe. Yeah, it was, it was like one that. of the taller no, buildings there. Right. Yeah. No more than eight stories. Nice hotel, nice modern, good amenities. I forget the name of it. Right. At, it was a chain restaurant, Terry. Wasn't it like Radisson or something like that? Yeah, if I remember, Jim, I, that sounds about right. But it was, it was sort of, I can't say it was directly in the middle of town, but we had a like a two or three block right down to the to where the docks were, all the the restaurants and stuff were within a, a block or two of maybe not all of them, but a lot of them that we could get to. And then, uh, like Terry said, he hiked over the bridge to the cathedral. But that was still what a 20, 30 minute walk at most, yeah. but you could see it the whole way. Mm-hmm. And then you had the docks and restaurants down by the docks. And hey, Jim. Yes. You've mentioned restaurants a couple times. I was kind of curious. What was the food like there? Yeah. Well, uh, Eric, why don't you, you give your opinion Thanks, on that? you throw that on me. Uh, <laughs> fish. Of course, the fish what? is good. I know any white, a white fish. All the white fish, however they prepared it, was very good. Gravies, meats, things like that. Very north, the northern European type type of food. Nothing bad by any means. Nothing bad, very no. fresh, but also Just nothing, nothing stood out either. I guess. You know, nothing stood out that was Do great. Do we have reindeer? Do we have reindeer? Did you ever yeah. have reindeer up there? I think it was I offered. I mean, I don't. Know. I might sure have had. It was offered. I think it, so. Yeah, the fish was outstanding, and the sauces and everything was very well done and very modern, uh, modernly done. Nothing was, nothing really stood out though to me that I remember. Do you, Terry? No, uh, very boring food, if you ask me. Uh, <laughs> I was being nice. Okay. <laughs> kind of like Denmark, Terry. What's that, Jim? Kind of like the food we had in Denmark. Pretty much. Uh, no herring, but yeah, uh, pretty much like that. So, yeah, so t- I guess typical Scandinavian type food and fair, fresh soup, fish, but soup, not yeah. so, seafood soup. But still, food. even though it's yeah. fish and all, it's still hearty food, so it's not specialty food. It's mm-hmm. not cuisine, but still plenty of fresh and, and plenty there to, to, to go around to. They did have some fresh like food trucks that you could go up and get the fish of the day or whatever that they'd wrap up there and and you could take home but that was in my i'm right on that there it was trucks it wasn't like stands or whatever um, yeah fish trucks yeah mm-hmm. so so that was pretty cool terry the, they had a bridge of locks there too didn't they the the bridge going over to to the cathedral or is that just a few locks and I'm, i've got my my memory mixed up on that i don't remember seeing any locks on that bridge jim but yeah. This was what 2015. Yeah, I could imagine there'd be a couple there that time. 2015, yeah. It was a, a nice bridge because it gave you a lot of views. I know you took a lot of pictures off there. Yeah, Jim, I'm looking at the pictures now. Uh, there are a couple pictures with uh, locks on that bridge, but but it wasn't heavy loaded right. like uh, Paris. Right. Right. Yeah. Now, was the uh, we were just talking about the food again. Was it the, the pricing of the food? Was it also it was high. high as well? Even though what you're getting, it was high. Okay. I mean, it's not like you're going out to five star dining that kind of prices. But for the meal you got, it was higher than you would have paid most other, other parts of Europe. Right? Greens, like vegetables. 
Um, Carrots, a lot uh, of root, root, root vegetables, vegetables. onion, yeah. potato, things like that. It's hearty, hearty stuff. So yeah, I'm gonna maybe some celery. Yeah, absolutely. So, but I mean, there there were plenty of restaurants, so you, you didn't have a problem finding a place to eat. But it, it nothing stood out either. So, the uh, Polar Museum was also a, a great little stop. I think we all went to that, didn't we, Terry? I think at different times. Uh, well, right. that one day we got split up into three different groups, I believe, and uh, it looks like we all went there at different times. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But the, uh, the neat thing about it, it really gave the history of, of the town and, and what they went through, uh, either exploring it or just selling it. I mean, it was just, you had to be a hardy person to to live there and, and settle that, that area. So I thought, I found that pretty neat. How about you, Eric? Yeah, I will say this uh, from a photographer's perspective. It's a wonderful place to shoot photography, especially that time of year. If that's what I wouldn't go there for food, but I would definitely go there for photography because the lighting is spectacular, especially that time of the year. If you're into that kind of thing, it was really good for that. Uh, you, you know, well, you mentioned lighting. So that time of year in September is, is that the time where you have mostly light, or is that mostly dark? Still mostly light then, because July is when the end of July is when it's. 24 or when the end of the 24 seven light. So it's starting to come off that, but it's still, you know, getting, not getting dark till like 11 o'clock mm-hmm. at night uh, or so. And then, then still, and then sunrise coming up like four or so. So nice. it's still very, yeah, because we'll get into it, but our uh, Northern lights tour went until 1 AM. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't, I don't, I've not been on too many tours that go till 1 AM <laughs> that I can talk about. Right. <laughs> <laughs> at least, at least on this channel. <laughs> so, so like culturally, what do they do when it's two months of darkness? You guys, anyone like? Well, we weren't there at that time, so I, I, it's we, we don't have first uh, account experience. I can only imagine they do what they do and cut a little more and, <laughs> and uh, yeah, you know, fish I in the dark. Like, like the locals would. I don't know if you guys are talking. Ice locals fish? No, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure, but that's a good. Jim or Terry, you answer that question. No, I'm just thinking back in our college days, and most of the fun we had was in the dark. (laughs) (laughs) I think we should stop the conversation. (laughs) Well said. (laughs) So, so the Polar Museum, and 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 you're right. We went there at different times, Terry. And I want to circle back to that in a second, but just quickly touching on the aquarium. Teresa and I went there, and it was a small aquarium compared to what we're used to. But they had seals, and you, you were right up to them, and they were just playing around and swimming. It was, like, two-leveled. It was just really cool. The rest of it was, was just a, a so-so aquarium. But it was, it was easy to get into. There was n- hardly anybody else in there. So it was just, like, us and the seals, and that's it. So <laughs> that made for kind of a neat experience. But circling back to, to the, the Polar Museum, and Terry talked about all three of us going at different times, and then we eventually met up. We met up at this little bar. We, and, we think uh, it was called the Bastard Bar. The Bastard Bar. Do you bar. remember the name of that bar, Terry? No, I took pictures and posted on Facebook, but I, I did not want to put the name of this bar to incriminate our bartender, which oh, got okay. <laughs> I was wrong then. Maybe well, I was I, wrong. My guess is he's not still working there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyhow, we... Uh, I know when Teresa and I got there that Terry, Lee Lucas, and, and Eric were already in there. And I think each of them had met up. It, it was sort of just uh, yeah. became a meeting place. Do you want to take it from there? Yeah. Um, Lee and I were walking around and taking photo, 
photography and taking pictures. And I, I was looking for a place to sit down. I've always got a, and I'm always looking for a comfortable seat. Well, I looked in this bar and there was old time theater seating in there. It was curved. And I'm like, that looks comfortable. That looks like a nice place. I want to sit and have a beer. Hey, Lee. He says, yeah. So we go in there and it's a nice little bar. And uh, there's blonde haired kid bartender. Couldn't been what? 20 couple Maybe years old. That, yeah. And uh, he's just talking us up. We're American. And you know, the typical conversation, he speaks perfect English. We're having some beers and we call our friends or communicate with our friends through the phone and say, Hey, come catch this place. This kid's being really nice to us. Let's, Let's bring our whole group in here and be nice to him. That's kind of how we how we do. And uh, we eventually all caught up there and had a good time in that bar. And go ahead, uh, Terry or Jim, you can take over the story from there. <laughs> well, I mean, just sort of paint the picture of the bar. It was a, a cool little bar. It was neat. The, the seats you're talking about actually kind of stood up or made were, you higher yeah, they were, in, in the bar. So they were stacked up. And then it was, it's a small bar, so it wasn't very big. I mean, maybe seated 15 or 20 people total. Mm-hmm. And, and the bar itself runs across the, the side wall, but they had a little window that went through to the hair salon next door and they could pass <laughs> drinks over to the, to the girls. To cut the hair. girls doing hair on the other side of the bar. Awesome. So this little 20 some year old bartender was having a good time oh, with yeah. the girls working the hair salon next door. I'm not sure that's a place I'd want to get my hair cut. <laughs> well, well, maybe let me tell you something. It is. We had conversation with them too. We were wondering what was going on over there, and they didn't speak very good English. But we could find out that oh, we're a hair salon. Okay, that, okay, we see here. Terry, how do you remember the the inside of the bar? <laughs> I don't, Jim. Oh, there you go. You had a really good time. <laughs> no, it wasn't that. I just uh, it, it, nothing really jumped out in front of me. But it was nice. It was clean. But yeah, it was it was good. But it just but, nothing really jumps out at me. Well, do you want to take the story from there and, and uh, explain what uh, made this story interesting? Well, this is the reason why I didn't want to implicate our uh, our friendly bartender. He's very nice. He, he came. We were the only people in the bar at one time, and so he spent a lot of time just bullshitting with us. Right. Yeah, you know, he had what five Americans and him. <laughs> And so, yeah, we were drinking, not heavily, but we were drinking steady. And for some reason, he was on the phone, I think. Right. And he got his skateboard. <laughs> and we're located near the top of a hill in that section of town. And he turned to one of us and said, watch the bar for me. I'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he got on the skateboard. Was this a, a dream come true? <laughs> <laughs> he got on a skateboard and he went downhill. <laughs> and that's the last we saw of him for what, 10 or 15 minutes, Jim. Yeah, probably least. More like 15 or 20 minutes. Yeah. I mean, we weren't sure what to do. We're like, we're kids in the candy shop, but can we really do this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> had it somewhere. He's gone that long. One of you were, was empty. Well, <laughs> He was going behind the bar and, and acting like he was going to put his head underneath the tap and, and just turn it open. Right, we have but, a photo of that. Uh, but he didn't do that. And then, you know, we actually go look outside. Is he coming back? Right. And he got a fight. We, we don't know. He was we, gone. We did fill our beers probably once, maybe twice, a couple of us. But when he came back, we were honest. And did the, yeah. You know, the honor system. And we told him. And he's like, I knew you people would tell me. I knew I could trust you all. 
obviously that's why you left. <laughs> well, the thing is, I think we wanted to leave, but we did not want to leave. Right. <laughs> <laughs> They, this is our bar. We can't stay here without it. We can't leave. So it got kind of awkward waiting for him. <laughs> and the girls on the other side were there. The girls that uh, they said, oh, he'll be back. So the question is, I'm sure the girls were out of drinks. Did you guys get them a drink? <laughs> <laughs> they were question. Yeah. If we could have understood them, we probably would have. Right. <laughs> so anyhow, obviously the, the Tromzonians are a very friendly and trusting bunch. Yes. At least of us. <laughs> and for an interesting story there. Yeah, but I, I did not want to post the name of that yeah. bar at that at that time because I didn't want the kid to get in trouble. Right. No, I, I don't, I don't play. Yeah, but what year was this again? I think 2015. Yeah, he's probably not working there. Well, right he now. probably owns the bar. Yeah, now. he could. Yeah. Maybe yeah. he did then. So that's four years. So, so yeah, definitely a friendly bunch there. Before we get into our Northern Lights trip, which was the main reason we went there, Eric's going to give us a little travel tip. Little travel tip. My travel tip of the day is don't be afraid or don't be scared to travel. And and don't be scared to learn. Learn how to use local transportation in the city that you're in. Take your time. Take a deep breath. Ask questions. Don't feel like you're, I'm the dumb American and I don't know. Ask questions. They're really the people in those places are willing to help you. So my travel tip is don't be scared. You might surprise yourself and how well you did. Go out there and give it a try. Okay, very good. Wise words. All right, so getting back to Tromso, and the, the main reason we went there was to see the Northern Lights. I think maybe once I saw them when I was a kid, there was a, a big winter thunderstorm going on, and it might have just been lightning, but it was green, <laughs> and it was here in, in outside Shepherdstown. But I have no idea, but it was pretty pretty How wild. How were you drinking? Yeah, I was <laughs> So, so just a little. Just a case. But anyhow, either way, I, I, I was always intrigued with that and, and uh, just thought it would be an amazing experience. So, and Terry, once again, and, and thank him for looking this stuff up and booking it. Terry, do you want to tell us how you picked the uh, people we did the tour with and, and how that happened? Uh, basically, I think I started on TripAdvisor. And just plugged in Northern Light Tours in Tromso. And we did some reviews of various companies, priced out some that was comparable, and just happened to pick one. I think, Jim, from our experiences there, most of these tours all do the same thing and uh, pretty much run about the same amount of money. Okay. Right. And it was reasonably priced for, for what we were doing. I mean, it was... Uh, we got picked up at like nine or ten in the evening, if I remember right. Mm -hmm. And it, it, like Terry or Eric said earlier, went to at least one o'clock, maybe later, seemed later, but it might not have been. But yeah, I mean, you had a good three or four hour plus tour there, so I mean, it wasn't like just in and out and oh, there's a flash and, and they take you home. So, so how far did they they picked you up, and how far do you drive to get to this? Place where you view the northern lights. Well, um, this is the that, wild part. That, of the that's story. a good question. I mean, uh, initially they picked us up down by the docks, down where near where the cruise ship was, and they they picked us up in one of those you know little passenger buses. So there were what maybe 15, ten or fifteen people on the tour, mm -hmm. I'd say roughly. And they did have a location that we went to, so they took us out. What would you say it was a half hour outside of town? Yeah, I At felt. Least. 
at yeah. least maybe 45 minutes. Well, I tell people here back home, I said, I felt like we were traveling the back roads of Shepherdstown. That's what it felt like. Oh, yeah. And these back, long, narrow, narrow roads. roads. Of it's, it's just gorgeous. It's beautiful. Yeah. But to see the northern lights, you have to get out of town uh, to get away from the light pollution. Light pollution, right. So uh, uh, the farther away from the city lights, the better. Yeah. They took us to a teepee. They did. It was a, a real big... I know they call it something different, but it's basically a big teepee. Mm -hmm. And it had a, around the outside bottom, which was circular, it had seating, and inside it had a big fire. And they gave us uh, some drinks and snacks. snacks I don't coffee, think it was coffee, like that, that type of stuff. And they sort of gave us a, a background on, on some stuff, what to expect to see, and they're unpredictable. First of all, the northern lights, their sunburst, it's coming from the gases of the sun, and they shoot out these balls of fire or whatever you want to call them that might not be the the technical name but because of the way it shoots over in the prism it makes it turn green and some reds and it depends what it's doing and and you all help me out a little bit because i'm going to memory now there's kind of two different types of lights you got the ones that are just sort of the the green itself that that turns the whole sky that way and then you have other times where it's dancing and they're they're going up and and making all this movement and such Terry, do you know the more technical terms for that than, than what I just Aurora did there? Aurora Borealis. Well, yeah, that is uh, deep Jim, I like your dancing lights better. <laughs> <laughs> well, I remember you saying that, so that that I do remember. That's uh, what I. That's the way I describe it to people, too, just dancing across the sky. Exactly. What I, what I remember, what was really cool was the, the our guides communicated with other guides from other companies to find out where the best areas right. were. Not to go, hey, they were communicating via uh, walkie-talkie type deal. And right. I'm like, well, that's kind of cool. They're talking with even their competition and wondering right. where the best place to take my people and is. And we drove around a lot to find them. We, we really did. did. In driving out, it was still light enough that you could see all the different fjords and, and, and uh, inlet waters and, and that type of stuff. So it was pretty. As we were getting there, and the I hope I'm saying this right. The Sami, it's S-A-M-I. It's a, a, a native tribe to, to that region. And um, they've been, it's sort of like conservation land. Uh, even though it's other people's land, they're allowed to herd their reindeer and go down through these areas, getting them to the water and that stuff, even though they don't necessarily own the land. So it's pretty neat. And, and the reindeer, so they can be herded and all. The Sami are the only ones that can own and and then... I guess take to market or, or whatever the, the reindeer themselves. Oh, so that was pretty interesting. They told us along the way at the TP. Now, normally that's a place that you can see and they hope that they just go there and then you walk outside and turns dark and they're there. So we, we did that at first and they're like, Oh, there's some, and you see a little speck of green. and like, Oh, this is what we that's all for. we're going to get. <laughs> so, and they're telling you, there is no guarantee. And that's no. one thing when you read the reviews, they advise you not just to have one night there because you may not get to see them. Mm-hmm. We only had one night, so we had to see them mm-hmm. or, you know, we went empty. So there wasn't a whole lot there. We, we hung and did that for a good half hour, 45 minutes. And then the, the guy, like Eric was saying, just said, okay, we're going to find where these are. So get on the bus and they start talking to their fellow guides and we started driving so we're driving down and and we get to one place which is by the the bays and they're like okay we think we see them here and once again you could see some sort of almost like shooting stars you'd see a little bit so okay all right and they're like okay no hop back on the bus and then we went up 
up this mountain a, a good way. Mm -hmm. And uh, you could see a little bit more, just sort of like a green, whatever. And it was getting cold by this time. Now we've been at this for a couple hours. We're closing in on 11.30. 11.30 midnight. And it was and now it's starting to get pretty cold. And I know a few of us just went and got in the bus. Said, okay, well, we saw we're going to see. If they if they find something, obviously we're going to hear it and we'll, we'll go back out. So we were on the bus, you know, whatever, shooting the shit for a half hour or so. And then all of a sudden you could hear the excitement out there. Mm -hmm. Oh, man, they're here. And, and you go out and the skies lighten up uh, first in, in the more standard stagnant type lights were just the greens and a little bit of red mixed in. And we got some great, and Terry got some really good pictures, got some good pictures of that. So now you're all of a sudden you're not as cold as you used to be and, and it's warmed up and you're excited. This is not the alcohol. I don't even know that we had alcohol with us. No, I don't I, think we did. No, so we had drinks in the tea. That's why I was so cold. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it was coffee. But tea then, then they started dancing, right? And they just started coming down and swirling up, and I mean, it just it, it made your hair stand, hair stand on, on end, and just the excitement was if incredible. You if you have hair, or if you don't, <laughs> something stood on it. Something stood on it. <laughs> oh, so, so how long did this go on for? We actually left it, didn't we? Because it was time to it was leave. Still it was going still on. going on about around one a.m. and we around actually left it. Right. What I remember is, you know, it's larger than you think. It's like it's like traveling out west. Everything is so much more vast out there. Those mountains are so much further than we're, we're used to. Saying that, you look up in the sky, and the entire sky is green from beginning to end. You're like, holy cow! It's yeah. Well, that that that's the part that surprised me about kind of in general what you all were talking about here when you went from one location where they said this is not a good spot let's go try this other one let's go try this other one and i'm thinking night sky doesn't seem like it would make that much of a difference you know driving five miles this that way or that way to see a change or to see uh, get a better view well, you know, i'm thinking about watching a, a solar eclipse or watching shooting stars or whatever it doesn't it doesn't seem like it would matter, but evidently maybe it, it does. Yeah, 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 I would say is, is think about it like this. I mean, how many times have you been even sitting here and 15 minutes away, it's pouring down raining. There's no sun. And I'll never forget a trip going to the coast on the beach. It is dumping rain. It is terrible. It is cloudy. 15 minutes in short, the sun is shining. It is gorgeous. I'm like, Really? It's 15 minutes. We're talking. What you're trying <laughs> to get possible. Yeah. So yeah. just between cloud cover and just different things that are going on, the angles right. that, that, the angles that you're at. And, yeah. It's pretty neat. That Nature right. doesn't have time. Yeah, I wouldn't have they thought of that. Just thinking, you know, it's, it's how high in the atmosphere this is occurring, that it, it would seem that, you know, where you are, you might be able to be within a hundred mile radius and see the same thing as, you know, somebody right. else Not a hundred miles away. Yeah. But I, because, I think because of the angle. Look at thing more, and I might be wrong on this. This is just my analogy. Think of a fireworks display. Okay, mm -hmm. here you're seeing a perfect view of all of it and, and it looks like it's whole sky. You go over here ten miles, you might see a little bit of it, but you're not seeing that same thing as spectacular. So it's probably just our perspective to where we were seeing the lights at that It happened to be right above us. Yeah. You could you could have been five miles away and still seen it, but it would have been a different perspective. Yeah. You wouldn't have been running underneath of it. At that point, we got some great pictures. We got our, our fraternity phase eye flag out. Got pictures in the background. Me and my wife being all the gods. I mean, some some spectacular pictures. So. Hey, Jim Reed, I have a question. Yes. Yeah, you know, you've been to Alaska, correct? Yes. You seen the northern lights up there? 
Yeah, yeah, I went up uh, with my son, I, I think the same year that you guys went to Tromso, oh, and uh, went up to Fairbanks and uh, took a Northern Lights tour. Sounds an awful lot like the one that you had, and uh, and did get to see them. Nice. You know, the, you know, they're called Northern Light tours, but it's more like Northern Light chasing. <laughs> like the storm chasers, and all. you're chasing the Northern Lights more than doing a tour. Well, yeah. you, mine wasn't so much of a chasing. I went to a place called China Hot Springs up there. We originally had booked to go north of the uh, the Arctic Circle as well, but they'd had like one of the biggest, earliest snowstorms ever. And uh, when the guy came or called in to check on us, he's, he told us, I can't get through the roads up there. They're impassable right now. They haven't plowed. So he said, let's go to the hot springs instead. And so we ended up going to this place where we literally were able to go in, sit down in hot springs, natural hot springs. And uh, 15 minutes after we sat down in those hot springs, the northern lights popped out. Wow. Uh, it was just absolutely scary. amazing. And, of course, I didn't have my camera because we were in the hot springs. It was out in the truck. But I figured, oh, we'll be here until 2 in the morning. We'll see them again. And that was the only time we saw them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was a bummer. <laughs> yeah, a, a little side note. Uh, Jim Scott mentioned the fraternity flag. We were so excited and you know caught up in the moment. We got our picture with the fraternity flag, and we looked at the picture later. And we had the flag upside down. <laughs> but uh, one of our friends, Lee Lucas, his daughter uh, did some photoshopping and turned the flag right side up for us. And, <laughs> and we're good to go. We were trying to make sure that we got it because you don't know how long those lights are going to last and they're going to be in the photograph. No, exactly. So, yeah. And it's hard to capture them in the photograph. But. And I will put this out there to the, any, any of you that want to go and travel to Norway and see the Northern Lights. The company we used, I wish you remember the name of it, they went through leaps and bounds to get us to see the Northern Lights. <laughs> They really did. Uh, I thought that they did. They traveled all over, and they yeah, they, they, they made a lot of calls to let us see them that night, and, and they they succeeded. And they did a real good job. They did a real that. good job. There's my trip advisor for the for the day. <laughs> well, here's my suggestion. You know, if you do go on one of these trips, whether it be to Alaska or Norway, anywhere north, if you're flying in at night, sit on the northern mm -hmm. side, usually the right side of the plane. It was the right side mm -hmm. for me as I was heading up to to Alaska. A, you know, it must have been about 11.15 at night. Everybody was asleep on the plane. I looked out the window, and I must have seen the northern lights then for about 10 minutes, just the, you know, wow. the huge curtains billowing out there. And, uh, you know, it was just me and the flight attendant. She actually came over and sat right by me and looked out the window and was like, these are the best I've seen in years. Wow. So, yeah, that was From fantastic. I bet From the was. air, that's spectacular, I bet. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's great. Fantastic. All right. Well, any uh, any final thoughts on the Northern Lights? If not, kind of wrap up on Tromso and, and uh, how many days were you guys there in in Tromso? We were just there what two nights? Two, two nights. Two nights, and and <laughs> yeah. had to see them or not see them and, and roll on. So yeah, lucky. Thanks, Jim. Share this whole trip with us, like like from start to finish. I know you guys. And Terry, we we're coming back to Terry, but like. You know, do you guys do two or three days when you do these, like each stop, or do you do longer? We did, uh, I guess, two days in Tromso, back down to, we went to Prague through Oslo Airport to, to Prague, and we were there four or five days. Four, four days? 
four or five nights there. And then we bust up to Munich for Oktoberfest, which we were there three mm-hmm. nights. Mm-hmm. And then uh, everybody but Lee flew to uh, to Amsterdam. Lee forgot to book that leg of his tour. <laughs> <laughs> had to go grab a train <laughs> but uh and then we went to finish in amsterdam with a, a couple nights i think so each trip varies it just depends what you're trying to get to and curious. All. But, but it made for a nice trip so any final recommendations on tromso uh eric or, or just thoughts that'd be recommendations a thought not a bad thought is what i can tell you what it was a really great trip it was it really surprised me the weather was awesome and i highly recommend it going up there and maybe visiting, checking it out, trying to see the Northern Lights. You may not get as lucky as us, but you maybe you will. And September sounds like a good September time is a, is a was wonderful for us. That's all I can say. I, you know, Terry, your final thoughts on Tromso? Well, to see the Northern Lights, you want to do your research. The most solar activities could be from September to March. So plan your trip around there, uh, preferably like later in September. Also, when you do plan the Northern Lights trip, if you can, try to go during the new moon when it's the darkest out. There are some uh, websites out there to actually predict or tells you when the new moons are. So uh, just plug that in and try to travel during that time of year and during that time of the month. Now, is that better all the time because the full moon has a bunch of crazies and it's (laughs) Like crazy travel? <laughs> no, just uh, another light pollution thing, Jim. I got that. I, I knew you were going with that. That was just a little yeah. funny. Uh, <laughs> my final thoughts on Tromso is is everything those guys said. I think it's a great place. I definitely go back. Uh, but I would try to also time it to see the whales, which apparently their time is the end of October through the the middle of winter. They're <clears throat> going through there, so uh, I would love to see that. And if you can time that up with that and the Northern Lights. That's just a bonus. So anyhow, that's it on Tromso. We're going to segue to a new little segment that uh, that we're introducing for the first time today. We're going to do a little restaurant segment. And for that, Tony Price is going to lead us. Yeah. So ironically, for the initial one, I'm not really going to hit on a true restaurant. So we talked about doing, uh, from, from a listener's advice, we added a little thing on a trip advice, which Eric hit on earlier. So Dining experiences, restaurant experiences was something to throw in because we always talk about restaurants where we're traveling, but there's so many things we, we forget about or just unique things that, you know, it'd be nice to do. So we're actually going to the second event of this tonight, but I think I should touch about the first time, which was last year. Mm-hmm. All of us here, and I'm sure many of our, our listeners are friend, or fans of Anthony Bourdain. In one of his last episodes he did from Southern West Virginia basically Appalachian Mountain. It was kind of unique, obviously, because not a whole lot of people come and travel to West Virginia. So it was a really unique experience. And one of the, the people he visited was Chef Mike Costello and Amy Dawson from Lost Creek. And they didn't have a true restaurant. What their big mission is truly farm-to-table experiences. And, and, and one of the reasons I think we love a lot of our travels in Europe is this is very commonplace with you know fresh vegetables, fresh food, Hasn't been too commonplace here in the United States over the last couple of decades, but it's making a comeback. And this is one of the big things they push. So some of our friends, you know, laid out this event. They reached out to him and said, hey, would you be interested in doing a a dinner up here in in the eastern part of West Virginia, which is about six hours from where these guys are from? And they said, sure. So they turned it into a fundraiser event. But what was unique is so on this five and a half hour, six hour drive up, 
all of the food for this dinner was sourced either on his drive up, it was purchased that morning in town, or it was grown on the farm that where we had the event. And it was all based on Appalachian food. So all throughout the mountains, which again, for me, just a unique experience. It was just one of those things you sit down and you think about pork three ways. Like, what, what does that mean? Right? Or beans three ways. The, the food was just, when you hear it, when you look at the, just the ingredients, you would think, well, that's okay. That's kind of what I grew up with or what my grandparents said they grew up with. Oh no, that's not what your grandparents grew up with. <laughs> but it was just a phenomenal experience. Um, and it turned out so well. They're having another one tonight, just a year later, and we're getting to it. So it made me think of it. And I was like, that truly was a unique dining experience. So I would say, again, just a shout out to those guys. Looking forward to hitting it again. And anytime that you can eat fresh and eat local, it's it's kind of the way to go. So that's yeah. that's my shout out for a dining experience. Here right. you, Tony. Yeah. What's the charity? F- this is based from Shepherd University and the foundation. It's called the Last Dollar Fund. So there's a lot of kids, obviously, throughout the, the world, but, you know, especially in, in, in throughout West Virginia that struggle to meet ends meet trying to get to school. You know, they're, they're a little short here, a little short there. And it's amazing how many kids drop out because they're $300 short, $500 short on a, on a semester, right? That's what this is. So it's literally the last dollar fund. They kind of help out, you know, they can't help out everybody, but they help out a lot of people just making that last bit so they don't have to leave school. All right. If they've applied for all the financial aid and gotten everything they can, they're still a little short, then they can apply to the yep. last dollar fund. And oh, wow. So it's a great cause. Yeah. So Very nice. And again, shout out to the people in the area because, again, I think we're doing 80 to 85, 90 people, mm-hmm. plus a lot of people who are donating to it. But it's sold out and there's a waiting list for it. And again, what happened as just a kind of a love affair with Anthony Bourdain and hearing the experience and being in West Virginia, this turned into something that these guys sound like they're interested in doing it as long as they, you know, they're going to be around kind of willing to travel up here. So it's really cool. But awesome. again, eating local and eating, eating fresh, fresh food is just yeah. cool. Farm to table. Yeah. So, and the guy, and again, again, for him, storyteller too, he's also a journalist. So hearing his story with every course that came out, he just made it, made right. it just a cool experience. It was a story driving up it's here, so it'll be interesting. We want to hear about it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Very good. Well, thank you, Tony, for the restaurant segment or the food segment. Before we wrap up, Brian, you want to share our affiliate one more time? One more time. Our highlighted affiliate uh, for this podcast is uh, Swiss International Airlines. You can find them at uh, Swiss.com, serving over 100 destinations in 44 countries worldwide. Fantastic. I want to give a shout out and thanks to to both Terry Hall and Jim Reed from joining us from uh, other states. And for the guys that join us here locally, Tony, Eric, Brian, Walt, thank you all for participating today. Remember that we're friends that carry on, friends that love to travel together and and see the world. You can find us at uh, www.friendsofcarryon.com and on the social media at friendsofcarryon.com, Instagram, and Facebook. Thank you. <laughs> Have a good Hard day. to remember all those. <laughs> Be sure to join the friends next week with another great podcast. And don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. You can also find the friends and other content on www.friendsthatcarryon.com or check us out on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching Friends That Carry On. Thanks again for joining us. And don't forget to carry on, friends.